Welcome back to Jerusalem in the Morning, where the hits just keep on and coming. This is Richard Hosefat, and now for my favorite part of this program, Savior Sightings. And we have a gentleman today that believes he actually had the Messiah in his home. Sir? Uh, yes, my name is Cliff Arisis. Uh So Jesus came to my house. Uh-huh. He comes in and he says, uh, I'd like to talk to some people and use your home to do it. I, 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 I'm very, very nervous when it comes to germs. <laughs> and I had just had my carpet shampooed the week before. Yeah, and I was yeah. very nervous because the man has quite a following. And so all these people are tracking goat mess in my house. <laughs> a couple of people brought in their lambs and sheep. Uh, one guy had a parrot and that parrot did more damage than I can tell you. Really? But the biggest problem was the place got pretty full pretty quickly. Yeah, I got it. And these guys came when they had a friend who was paralyzed. They asked if they could come in, and I said, sure. Could you wait five seconds because some people will be leaving soon? But they were so impatient that they that they walked around to the other side of my house, climbed up on the roof, and started tearing my roof apart. Really? So we're sitting in the, in the living room, and all of a sudden, plaster starts falling on my head. Wow. The track lighting fell down. Mm-hmm. They cut mm-hmm. a hole in my thatch roof, and they lowered them in. And to my living room really? and I'm like you could have waited five minutes wow. five minutes is all I asked now who's gonna pay for my roof that's what I want to know who's gonna pay for my roof ooh, ooh. I spoke to Jesus' disciples and I said um I don't mean to seem ungrateful or in any way um petulant but uh do you guys have an expense account or are you insured at all <laughs> so I was directed to their minister of finance his name is Mr. Iscariot I think his first name is Judas and he said to me I should be coming into some cash very soon. Yeah. And I don't yeah. know where he's going to get the money from, but that's going to cost at least 30 shekels to fix my roof. Wow. I guess it's a good thing because the paralyzed man was able to walk. Sure. Believe me, I'm very happy for him. Good. I'm just hoping that a restitution is made because it's it's cold in my house now. It's thank you. Drafty. Thank you. Thank you very much. You can read all about it on Cliff's blog, who's going to pay for my roof.com or donate at kickstarter.com slash fix my roof. We'll be right back with more Save Your Sightings. Come on now. Should not applaud that stuff. That's just, just, just encouragement. Oh my gosh. Um, anybody recognize where that song came from? Yeah. I mean, am I the only one that didn't know that? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't watch the show much. It really, I was, I was too busy. As we were too busy raising kids about that time, so I missed that show. But anyway, it, it's great. They did a great job. Great job on this thing. It's crazy. Um, Friends. We're talking about friends today. We're talking about four pretty amazing friends uh, uh, in this thing that we're going to look at in the, from the Bible, from the Gospels. Uh, but before I do that, though, i got a question for you. I want you to just start thinking about what's the best thing anyone's ever done for you? I started, to say, I started off with well, what's the nicest thing. That's not what I'm not. It's what's the best thing anybody's ever done for you? Um, just think about that for a moment. I mean, I think you know, when I started thinking about that, well, there have been some I've been very fortunate. Some people have done some incredible things for, for Charlene and myself, uh, um, Charlene and me. And um, it was, um, you know, different, different times, different things. You know, sometimes it's a particular gift. Sometimes it was financial help. Sometimes I went through all these things. And, and then I came to one time when I thought about um, when I left the church in Vail, where I was, had been 18 years, and, and the night, that, or the day that I announced I was resigning and everything, it was just real, I was a real, real bad spot as well. And it was just real tough. And some friends, um, unsolicited, just said, we're coming over. And I'm like, huh? We're coming over. And they, they just came over, uh, started talking, you know, ordered pizza. It's kind of my love language. You know, I need pizza all three meals if I could. And um, 
I was allowed to. It's against the rules in the Teeter's home. But I, I, anyway, I brought some pizza in, and, and uh, it's just great. I mean, it's just one of those, one of those times that happened again to me recently, a few years ago. Um, one of those times when it, it's what people did, friends did, to, to really encourage you, not so much just giving you stuff, although the gifts are nice as well. So I don't know what yours is. Think about that. Best thing that ever, ever, ever has been done for you. Just, just kind of ponder that for a moment, and uh, we're, co- we're going to come back to that. Um, what we're going to see today is something that some friends did for a guy because they understood who Jesus was. And, and what we're going to see is when we understand the power of Christ, nothing will stop us from bringing our friends to him. But we need to understand that. So I want to take you right to this passage. It's in uh, Luke chapter 5. We're going to begin in verse 17. And um, it's pretty interesting, uh, pretty interesting stuff. Here we go. Verse 17. I'm just going to read one verse first. One day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. This is happening, we believe, in a place called Capernaum, which is a good way, a good distance from, uh, from Jerusalem. By bus, it's like an hour, hour and a half. So I can't imagine how long it took to, to, to walk and so forth. And uh, it's on the north shore of, of the Sea of Galilee. And probably Peter's house is where he is. We're not positive about that, but that's, that's what a lot of scholars speculate. And, and all of it, this is the first account we have in the Gospels where the Pharisees are turning out, checking out who this Jesus is. They've heard stuff. They've heard all about him. They've heard people, you know, they listen to Jerusalem in the morning, every morning, if they heard about Jesus and the Savior. Said, well, no, the, whatever means they had at that time to, to tell people about uh, each other. And mostly it's just word of mouth. Did you hear about this guy named Jesus from Nazareth? So they're there to check him out. And um, I need just very briefly to do just, we talk about Pharisees a lot. Let me give you a real quick little history, uh, thumbnail sketch of, of where the Pharisees came from and, and what was going on with them. It's a Hebrew word that means to divide or to separate. And uh, they probably started during the time of the Old Testament uh, 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 King Ezra, all right? And um, um, I'm sorry, priest Ezra, I said king, uh, the priest Ezra. And he, and he taught the Jewish people to obey the law. I mean, he had, he had good motivations to obey the law of Moses and to separate from heathen nations. If you will, the, 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 really the Pharisees were sort of a precursor to what we would today call the, the fundamentalists or the fighting fundies, the people who think they should be separate from everybody else because the, the everybody else will corrupt them. It's kind of the same type of thing here. Um, it's interesting because um, while the great desire of the Pharisees and the scribes was, uh, was to, to magnify God's law and to apply it to their daily lives, uh, the movement soon became quite legalistic. And as a result, the leaders laid so many burdens on the people that that very important concept, which is in Psalm 100, serve the Lord with gladness, that became something that just did not happen. It was all just so burdensome, so legalistic. Interesting point on that. Let me just just mention this to you. Kind of a barometer that I look for if I'm visiting a church or when I'm in a church or when I've been a pastor of a church. One of the barometers that I think you can really kind of gauge, and it's going to sound a little silly, but I really really believe this, this is true, is are, are, are people there having fun? Are they enjoying life? I mean, we have one of our... Con- go, to our go to our website, renaissancechurch.org, look up, uh, go, go under about, and look at values. Also look at our beliefs. 
It's on another page, another click. Another click is values, and you'll go through what we value. And one of our values, last thing on that on that little um, writing is fun. It, it goes like it's fun. We value enjoying our life with God and having fun together. By the way, when I taught on our values on a second Sunday a few weeks ago, they uh, videotaped that. That's on the website as well. You can go there and you can see that as well. Uh, but that's 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 important. Yes, it's about knowing our Lord. It's about having a relationship with Him. Part of that is enjoyment. Part of that is joy. It's one of the key components of, of being a follower of Christ, joy. So you, know, you come to a church, nobody's having any fun, no, there's no enjoyment. I think it's telling, isn't it? That's one of the reasons we do some of, the things, some of these connecting events that we're doing. Uh, it, it, it's about having some fun, getting to know people, and, and, and having some community. Um, we had one Friday night with the young singles. Let me show you. We, let, me, let me show you a picture. Do they look like they're having fun, huh? Now, the, the, the trouble with the picture, that's my wife Charlene right there, and you say, wait a minute, what is Rich and Charlene doing at a young singles event? <laughs> well, we have an announcement to make. No, um, um, I have, I'm a pastor. I get a free pass to everything, okay? And it's just, it's just it, and then we, we just had a great time. This is a game that they were playing called, it's really a silly game called Spot It. And, uh, and this, these, uh, this is Charlene, this is Anna. This is the rest of the gang behind. I'm taking the picture. That's why you don't see me. Um, and they, they came down to the finals, and my wife won. Can you believe that? She won a little chocolate Easter bunny, which we certainly need, of course. Um, anyway, my point is this. The Pharisees had become so legalistic, like many churches today, if not legalism, something else, where they just, there's no enjoyment, there's no joy, there's no fun. I'd be aware of a place like that. I'd be very aware, be, be, beware of that. Um, well, back to this. The Pharisees are there. They're probably sitting in the back, you know, and, you know, impress me, Lord. You know, who knows what they're doing. They're just sitting there watching all that, taking it all in. Then this happens. Verse 18. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house and lay him before Jesus. This is great. These guys carrying a paralyzed man. I mean, I want some friends like that, okay? I mean, that, that, you, we, we don't often think of these, these guys. And, and get this, I think they must have been New Yorkers because, or at least this area because they were type A because they couldn't get into the door. And their idea was, that's not going to stop me. I'm going to figure out a way. It's just like many of you. I, I don't care. I, the door's locked. There's another way to get in there. I've seen you operate. I know how you work. Uh, it's true. We do. And that's what they do. They get there, the door. They can't get in the door. They're like... There's another way. And, and you got to understand the way the houses were built in this area of the world, and particularly in Capernaum and really all over Israel, they're kind of built, usually built into a hill, and, and you can, there's always steps that you can climb the hill and the steps and you get on top of the house. Very, very normal. That's the way they did because so much of their life was lived outside because of the weather was nice enough when, and, and so forth. And, and they would basically use their, their, their roofs, uh, I mean, for lack of a better term, like a deck. I mean, I don't don't know that they had barbecue grills up there, but I mean, they, they would be like a deck and people would, would hang out up there. So that wasn't really that unusual. They just said, hey, we can't get in the door. There's too many people. Let's, let's go up the roof. What are we going to do up there? Well, we're going to put a hole in the roof and we're going to lay them down. Just like, man, these guys are great. I mean, how, who doesn't want four friends like that, huh? Um, they do that. They get there, they get the top of the roof, they let him down right in front of Jesus. Look what happens. Um, when they could not find a way, uh, when they could not, not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and they lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd 
right in front of Jesus. If it had been anybody, I'm sure the people there were like, are you kidding me? Lower him right down in front of Jesus. And I sure, of course, the Lord, the Lord was uh, most, most impressed. Verse 20, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Not what they were expecting. Watch this. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? I mean, can't you see this? Here's two Pharisees sitting here watching all this, and, and, and one says, what did he say? He said, your sins are forgiven. He said, what? He said, your sins are forgiven. He can't say that. I know he can't say that. I mean, you can just see this interaction going on, right? These two Pharisees, like, he, can't, he, he said his sins are forgiven? Can he do that? Yeah, he's the Messiah. Well, watch what happens. Who can, they say, who can forgive sins but God alone? And this would be the fun part of, of knowing Jesus, hanging out with Jesus, because he, he, you know, we sometimes say we can read people's mind. Jesus really could because he's God. He knows exactly what they're thinking. So he says, Jesus knew what the, verse 22, Jesus knew what they were thinking, and he asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? They had to be like, how do you know I was thinking that? Um, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And I believe the tone of voice that sometimes people think it might have been real stern. I, I think it was more of a, of a loving, almost joyful. That's the way our Lord was. That's what he was about. I believe it's something like, I tell you, you need to just get on up, pick up your mat, and you go on home. And God bless you. Something loving and kind because that's who, that's who Jesus was. Interesting phrase that he says, uh, verse 24, well, I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth. Um, I've been asked that a few times. Why does Jesus refer to himself as the Son of Man? Um, as a matter of fact, uh, it was his probably favorite name, not probably, was his favorite name of, of referring to himself with that title. He uses it over about 82 times in all the Gospels, referring to himself as the Son of Man. He also uses the title the Son of God, but not nearly as much as he does the Son of Man. And here's why. Certainly, the Jewish people caught the messianic character of that title. Uh, Ezekiel, for instance, is referred to, it refers to himself as the Son of Man in Ezekiel. But Daniel refers to the coming Messiah as the Son of Man. So, so some Jewish people are sitting there listening. And he says, when, when he says something like, uh, uh, I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth, they know exactly what he's saying. He's saying he's the Messiah, and he was and is. Well, in, in, the guy, he says, get up and walk, verse 25. Immediately, this man stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Can you imagine seeing that? They haul him in on a, on a basically a stretcher, and he walks out. Verse 26, everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. One commentator puts it like this, our Lord's miracles not only demonstrated his deity and his compassion for needy people, but they also revealed important spiritual lessons about salvation. They were object lessons to teach spiritually blind people what God could do for them if they only would believe in his son. What's the best thing anyone's ever done for you? Let's go back to that question. 
Well, the best thing we can do for anyone is help them up the steps, come to Renaissance so they can hear about Jesus, or just to talk to them about Jesus, to bring them to Jesus, whether the church is involved or not, just to bring them to Jesus and be able to talk to them about the things of the Lord. But by the way, can you imagine? We don't know this guy's name. But can you imagine the stories he would tell in the years to come? I mean, you know, I, can, I, can, I picture it. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a granddad, and I, I, I just can picture him, you know, grandkids always wanting to hear stories. My grandkids, uh, when they, the ones that don't live with us, call, used to call me all the time, hey, granddad, tell us a story. Tell us a story about Twilight. That was my, one of my horses. And uh, tell us a story about this. And my, our granddaughters who are now with us for another couple of weeks as they're getting ready to move into a, a, a new home, um, they're always wanting to hear stories, and I'm always telling them stories. And you can see this guy, a granddad, talking to his grandkids, saying, hey, I was paralyzed. Of course, what does that mean, granddad? You know, I did that the other day. I, some, my, my five-year-old granddaughter asked me about the movie Noah. I said, it's legalistic, dark, and awful. And Stephanie says, thanks, dad. Thanks a lot. Yeah, now I got to explain all that to her. <laughs> but, but, but here he's guy talking to his grand, grandkids, and he said, I, was, I couldn't walk. I couldn't walk. And, and, and my four friends, you know, my friend, and, and they probably had names. You know, I, I, my four friends, I, I looked at some research. Uh, Moshi, uh, Benji Shine, um, Ruben Iel, and then Sam Iemuel as well. Uh, my four friends, my four somebody caught that. Thank you. Last night, I did, I did right over their head, right over their head. That Saturday night crowd, they're all liquored up when they get in here. Anyway, um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I'm joking. They're not really. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, uh, see, uh, my four friends, my four, my, my four friends, I, I couldn't even walk. And they carried me, and they put me in front of Jesus. And Jesus was amazing. Really, Granddad? What? Yeah, he told me my sins were forgiven. And then I got up and walked. He said, you're healed. Jesus, that my four friends took me to meet Jesus. Can you believe that? Can you believe what, what Jesus did for me? You can just see this, can't you? Sitting in front of the fireplace, granddad telling the grandkids these stories. This is great. And uh, I mean, you, another encounter with Jesus that caused radical transformation in this guy's life. When you understand the power of Christ, nothing will stop you from bringing your friends to him. Nothing. I have two thoughts I want you to think about. Simple thoughts, but good thoughts. First is this. Number one, do I fully get it when I talk about the power of our Lord? Do I fully get it? Um, How often do we come to Christ and we pray for one need and he answers us in a totally different way? He answers prayers oftentimes in so much more of a fuller way than we ever realized we needed it. These guys brought their friend to Christ for physical healing, and Jesus gave him spiritual healing, totality, in totality, because that's who Jesus is. It made me, it made me think of a, of a couple of verses that I, I really appreciate. It's in 1 Peter chapter 2. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. Watch this. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. By his wounds you have been healed. What does that mean? 
One, one Bible puts it this way, by his stripes you were healed. By his stripes, by his wounds, I have been healed of a sin-sick, broken, beaten-up, ugly soul. By his stripes, I have been healed of a sin-sick soul. Is there physical healing in there? Well, eventually. Maybe not in this lifetime for some of us. Sometimes it happens in this lifetime. Certainly when we get to heaven, there will be ultimate healing in every way. And even though we've been, even though we've been healed of the sin-sick soul, we don't lose it. It's not eradicated, but we have a new nature, a new way of doing things. Sometimes we still revert back to the old. We get back, we come back and recognize, I, I now do have the ability to obey you, Lord, and I'm going to do that as much as I can. So that's the first thing. Do I really get it? And if, if you know, and you might be here and, and say, you know, I don't know, Rich, I, I, I don't know that I get that. That's okay. I'm glad you're here. But maybe that's where you start, right here. Service like this where you just say, I want to, Lord, just pray, not pray it out loud. I just want to, Lord, I want to trust you. I believe you did come and, and, and lived and died and, and rose again, and you did that for me. And I want to embrace that. I want to I I give my life to you right now. You can do that. Second thought that I want you to have, number one is, do I, do I really get it when it comes to the power of Christ? The second one is a little different. Do I love people enough to have that brave conversation? You're probably familiar with Matthew 22. Maybe you are, maybe not. It's one of my life. I, I think everybody's familiar with it. You may not be. That's probably a little arrogant of me, but... Um, it's a passage that I quote a lot. If you're around me very much, you've heard it a couple times. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Love your neighbor as you, you know, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. If I love people, I'm willing to have that brave, I call it that brave conversation, because it does take some, you know, I don't care who you are. I'm a pastor, for goodness sakes. I've been for over 35 years. There are still times when I approach someone to talk about this thing, not knowing for sure that it's going to be a welcomed conversation, and I still get a little, a little weird. I still get a little nervous about it sometimes. So if, if, if that's you, please don't feel like you're the only one. That's not, this is not the case. But you know what? When we understand this, we understand who Christ is, nothing will stop us from bringing our friends to Christ talking about the brave conversation, uh, Clay mentioned it earlier, these, these Easter cards. This is one of the things, I, I mentioned this last week, and, I'm a, I, and, I, and I know I'm crazy, and, and I have the personality for it, and I also have the pastor card that I can play, and I give these out all over, all over the place. And I don't really expect everybody to, 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 to duplicate my, my craziness at, at times on that kind of thing. It depends on your personality and a lot of other things. But here's what you can do. Somebody you know and you care about deeply maybe a colleague at work, maybe a neighbor, maybe a, a family member nearby, they just go and say, hey, you know what? I hope you don't think I'm weird, but I want you to take a look at this. I want to give you this. We're having some really, really cool Easter services at Renaissance on Easter Sunday. And I know, you know, maybe you want to go to church on Easter, and we'd love to have you come, and I'll come with you to, to, to the one. Just something like that. And, and give them a card. We have two sizes. Give them one of the cards, whichever one. These work, work fit well in my wallet, so I like them so well. But um, 
uh, and give them a car. It's just, it's just, it, it just do that. You know, and, and that's, that's, it takes some bravery. I understand that. It takes some courage. And, but it's a good thing to do, particularly if, if, you, if, you know, be like one of the friends who brought their paralyzed friend to Jesus, and they weren't going to be denied. So that's, that's one thing you can do. But, you know, sometimes it goes beyond that, just having them come to church. By the way, last night one of the guys told me uh, with those, these uh, Saturday night at the opera house things we're having, some, some guy told me, I've, I've known, he said, he said, I play in this sort of a little band. They just they don't really play gigs, just play together. And uh, he said, I, I play in this little band. I, I played in this band for 10 years with these guys, and they promised they would, they would come to church on a Saturday night and come and hang out and, and listen to the Beatles, Beatles music afterwards. So uh, it's going to be mostly Sergeant Peppers, by the way. Um, but uh, that's, another, that's just another tool. But let me go a step further. It's not just about church. It's about talking. Sometimes you need to have another conversation. Maybe it's one, and again, not with everybody, but one of those people you dearly love and, and, and just say, you know, this is, I've done this. You know, this might be difficult for you to talk about, friend, but I've got to ask you about something. Have you ever thought about eternity? Where will you spend eternity? We need to talk about that. Now, when I talk about Easter, inviting people to Easter and talking about having these kind of conversations, I just want you to know, that's not about Renaissance Church. It's not about this church or any church. It's about, it's about people coming to grips with who Jesus is. People, the reason I want you to ask a friend, I don't care about having a whole ton of people here at Easter. I, don't, I really don't. I, I care about having people that, you, that, that are important to you. That's all. That's all. I mean, should I care about everybody? I probably, but I, 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 not as much as I should. I care about those people that I love and, 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 and people that you love. And that's what we're talking about here. So, Two things. Do I really get it personally? And secondly, do I love people enough to have that brave conversation when we understand the power of Christ? Nothing will stop us from bringing our friends to him. A couple takeaways. Forgive my repetition, but I want you to get it. Have I experienced that transforming power of God in my life? Number one. Number two, do I care enough about certain people to have that conversation. In a minute, I'm going to pray. But I'm going to do something a little unusual before I do that. It's, and it's hard for me to do. I'll be honest. It's hard for me to do this. But we're going to do it anyway. I'm going to, I'm going to give you a, a few moments of just nothing blame, just, just silence. And I want you to do one of two things, or maybe both things. First thing I want you to do is just stop and think. Where am I on the spectrum? Lord, Maybe now is the time, today is the day that I need to cross that proverbial line of faith and say, Lord, I want to I trust you. The second thing I want you to do during this time of just, just quiet and silence is I want you to ask God to give you a name or a face in your brain of that person that you need, if nothing else, to go give a card to. Somebody told me, called me last night after the service. I said, I went, as soon as I got home, I got all the car. I saw my neighbors out in the yard, and I went over and said, hey, we haven't had this conversation, but I, I, I want you to take this, and if you'd love to have you come with me to church. And they said it was amazing. It was amazing. So just ask God during this time, Lord, who is that person or persons that I need to, 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 to have whatever that conversation might be? So let's just bow our heads and and uh, close our eyes, and, and we're going to be quiet for a while, and then I'll, then I'll pray.
Lord our God, we are so thankful for your presence here with us today. We are grateful for your love, for your grace, for your forgiveness, for your transforming power. And I pray as we think on these things, wherever we are, whether we're thinking about, person's thinking about their own, their own spiritual journey, or, or maybe with a, a friend's, a friend that they, they care about and um, a burden for. I just pray, God, that the Spirit of God would just put that into our hearts and into our minds and, and that it causes action for each one of us. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. Thank you for our time together, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for coming. Thanks for being here. Have a great rest of the weekend, and God bless.